ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Final It's been a lot of coffee, Red Bull, Diet Coke, and water today, so... All the above, yeah. Clap, right I, on. I took a little bit of a nap. Clap, you, I can't believe you're surviving after like four hours of sleep last night. We went and saw Dave Matthews Band. Up at yeah. Pompey. You saw DMB? DMB, we're huge DMB fans, and we oh, yeah. uh, uh, had a guest on here named Joe Lawler, who records all of their live audio. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah, he linked us up with some lounge passes, and it was an unbelievable experience, and the show was kick-ass as well, so... Well worth the four hours. All right. Well, so for those who are questioning, where is Vinyl Stallions happening today? We have an answer for you. We are chilling here at Signal Flow Studios with Mr. Chris DeCore in the house. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Super excited to be a part of it. No, this is a huge step for us. I uh, Obviously, we linked up in the one of the first things I said was a big initiative we want to do is start focusing on not just places where music are created, but simply even restaurants in the Cleveland area, Toledo area, and uh, really start just putting them on a pedestal and finding a way to just build our community even bigger. And I uh, said it, there's a giant tiger on the wall um, on the other side of our camera right now. And I have seen that tiger so many times and so many incredible Cleveland artists, just Snapchats, Instagram stories. And I'm very glad to be able to say I've seen that tiger in person. Yeah, <laughs> that's her. <laughs> been with me a long time. I've had that tiger a few years now. <laughs> so we, I, us, I usually have a, a stallion picture painting behind me, and we call her Vinyl Valerie or Valerie the Vinyl Stallion. Have you Valerie. named your tiger yet? No, I don't think I have. I've seen Valerie. I've, I've seen yes. Valerie in your guys' show. Before. A mystic creature, indeed. Um, I don't know. I mean, Tina comes to mind. Ooh, Maybe Tina the Tigre. Although I, I was given that tiger poster. So maybe I should ask the original owner if the tiger has a name. Yeah, I found mine in the trash of <laughs> someone else's. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I guess the naming rights belong to me, but I guess we'll have to consult. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a consultation. So Tina's uh, not a bad choice, though. Yeah, no. T it, yeah, Tina's our front runner right now. Tiana, perhaps? Tiana the tiger? Ooh, Tiana oh. with the Y. That flows well. Tiana the Tiger. There's a Serengeti poster to uh, our left here as well. Just some trees in the desert. So there, and there's really nothing else that has that kind of theme on the walls here. We just have a very soft jungle sort of theme, jungle desert hybrid sort of theme going on. And then that's that's pretty much it. A couple guitars. <laughs> yeah. Soundproof. We're not going to leak too much. I'll say if you want to come see this studio, reach out to Chris, reach out to Signal Flow and get your ass in here because... It is popping, and I've already got the full tour, and uh, it was very, very cool to be able to see the rooms. Hell, we have our own uh, Rubik's Groove practicing down below right now, who participated in our first annual story of the Stallions. Have James Thaddeus, Justin, uh, uh, just all over the place right now. I said Justin, Jason, Augustine, their drummer on. But yeah, so obviously this is a hub, and like I said, I've seen a lot of uh, just people snapping. I've seen so many artists that you've worked with in the Cleveland area. Um, just give us a little background on what you would say your role is in just the music community in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> I think that my role is is pretty pretty revolved. It, it revolves a lot around just this place and production and recording and whatnot. I record a lot of artists. I do a lot of mixing for artists, and then a lot of my production work is sort of like a hybrid in between. So. 
I might do some pre-production with an artist and say like, okay, this song is really sick. We're not recording it quite yet, but what if we drop the guitar out of the second verse here before we go to record it? Sometimes even after it's pre or post-production. I, I like to dig my hands in and, and sort of give it my touch and say, Hey, this to me for my first time hearing it is how I think it should sound. I think that that helps artists kind of like, become more self-aware maybe in a word to be like oh okay like i see this in a new way that i didn't so i hope that my role is not only to make the music sound good but to help people kind of understand different ways that they can be approaching their music and ultimately feel proud of themselves i'd probably say that's the that's the headline there anybody who comes to work with me i want them to feel like a million bucks when they walk out of this room i want musicians to feel proud of themselves this has me thinking of something really interesting that I don't know we've ever asked on this podcast, Spruce. Um, so, Chris, what is how how do you deal with the challenge of a band that perhaps is not quite as receptive to like constructive criticism or like feedback, like or you know, like what you just mentioned? Like, I hear it. Here's what I think might sound good. Like. How do you handle like approaching a band that like isn't quite receptive to that? Gosh, yeah. I also just noticed you're all the colors vinyl in the background there. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get into that oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that does happen from time to time. An artist just kind of isn't picking up what I'm putting down, and it's you kind of just have to push against them a little bit until you realize like where their boundary is yeah. and say, you know, I have this idea to do this. And they say, nah, I don't really want to do that. Okay. No sweat. No sweat. I have another idea. Hey, maybe let's try this. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not really feeling it. Okay. No sweat. No sweat. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm, I want to do my due diligence. I want to, I want to be more than just press and record here. So let me ask again, I have this other idea. Let's try to do this. Don't want to do that. If I'm getting shut down with that, then I kind of just, I kind of just move the goalposts in a way um and just kind of focus on okay whatever vision this artist has doesn't have a lot of room for compromise in it so i'm just gonna kind of do the automated job of let me make it sound good you know if you know what you're doing I, i'm not right about everything 100 of the time anyway maybe they weren't good ideas to begin with but yeah sometimes that happens and you kind of just have to like just turn your creativity down a little bit and focus in on the uh the science behind everything make sure that they leave happy you know make sure that they they feel like they uh they got a good experience out of sitting down to work with me totally yeah but i like uh, what you said i mean at least for me and with music and even just jamming with people and thinking of ideas like you gotta throw it at the wall oh like, yeah just try it out and then and then we can discuss it but don't just shut it down immediately is always my thought yeah and um something big that uh, just what you kind of went into with your role and something that I want to be able to grow at and feel like I do have a slight entrance in it, but I feel like you're very well immersed in it is just seeing a song in the big picture. And I feel like that is such a huge part of just simply being a producer in mm -hmm. anything, but music specifically, and just seeing the big picture and seeing like where this thing can, could be taken to in different avenues. And again, throwing it at the wall, ultimately the artists, like they will be the end say, but uh, to at least give them that option is like huge and i don't know i feel like that kind of encapsulates a little bit of what you said and what your role is here yeah and i think it's so big in music to have that person yeah i mean we um my session earlier today 
we had a part where we wanted to add some organ. We wanted to add some organ for like probably 10 seconds, maybe nine seconds, just a little post, that kind of thing yeah. going on. And I've got this Hammond organ here. It doesn't see a lot of use, but it is a Hammond organ. And you know, this song sounds so vintage. It sounds so old school rock and roll. I got a Hammond organ in the studio. I gotta mic this bad boy up. So I I probably spent <laughs> minutes or so choosing the mics. Pretty tough to mic because the the Leslie cabinet down there and leave room for the uh, the musicians. Yeah. Mic. So I'm finicking with it. We get it all set up. We get it in there. Okay. Here's our little our little moment to see how it sounds. Just, it didn't work. It wasn't good. Okay. Scrap it. Delete it. <laughs> we'll, we'll use something else. But yeah. You have to. A big part of that too, like seeing the big picture. And that's a really good way to put it as far as like a. I, um, you could even say like a launch pad or like a piece of advice even for production mm -hmm. is I try to like listen from the top of the song super often. It is so easy. And, and you, you make music as well. You've done this. Mm -hmm. You listen to this one second part you know, oh, yeah. back and forth. It's like a drum fill and you keep listening over and over. Is it hitting right? Is it hitting right? It doesn't really matter if it's hitting right in that little four seconds. The listener's listening from the beginning to the yeah. end. So that big picture. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Exactly. That's the most valuable thing is the big picture. Like, okay, wait, time out. Start it from the beginning. We're just going to sit here and listen to it. We'll cross our arms, we'll close our eyes and just see how it feels to uh, to ingest the entire thing at once. That's like probably a 101 building block of like, okay, this is how you see that bigger picture is do that very, very often. Yeah, no, that's, that's so big, like I said, in music. Um, but all right, Chris, take us back because you are play instruments as well and uh are very talented on them if it, it chris Ticola on instagram uh go check them out uh, again i love just seeing just raw footage of people being able to like lay it down and uh it's inspiring but also just i don't know i love seeing that stuff uh, on that social media sense. so i i've dove deep into your page and would encourage everyone to but just take us back. Where did your just love and interest of music uh, begin? Yeah, from the top, man. From the top. Well, like I'm saying, bro. From the <laughs> I started playing music when I was 11. I started playing guitar. Um, my my older cousin, Dave, he's always been like my big brother. Um, he's a phenomenal musician. His name is Dave Saboro, S-O-R. Dave. That's my guy. Um and he was he was playing music he, he played piano and he played a little bit of guitar and i just wanted to do everything that he did you know he kind of got into skateboarding i kind of got into skateboarding he grew his hair out a little bit i grew my hair out <laughs> of course i'm picking up the guitar so i picked it up um i guess my parents got me a guitar for for christmas when i was 11 and at that point i was like i really really came up musically like listening to classic rock i was like so Leonard Skinner, so yes. Guns N' Roses, Metallica was a huge one for me. Um, my dad had a friend when I was around that age who had this old Western digital hard drive full of pirated music. I didn't spend a lot of time on LimeWire or um, BearShare or anything Ooh, like that because, because my dad's friend gave him this like probably 250 gigabyte hard drive that had to plug into the wall like a like a total <laughs> um but had the gold and it had the gold it had the gold it had all this classic rock stuff and that was like my after school like oh my god like here's all this music all these files and i think that's probably just what i landed on first was just like the classic rock stuff and so i took to the guitar pretty quick I, it was it was a really natural thing for me and um i was learning you know i think the first song i learned how to play on the guitar was hell's bells by acdc right 
So a lot of that stuff going on. Um, they, did you get inspired by that? I anytime I think of Hell's Bells, I just think about it playing during it's third down Cleveland <laughs> <Browns> <laughs> game. Da, 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 da. <laughs> no, I, I actually my my setting was a little bit different. I went to I went to a Catholic grade school and we had mass like the first Friday of every month, and I played guitar in the mass, and there were like six of us all playing the same exact chords. It was atrocious. It was god awful. But in the end, I had this little I had this little shitty like uh boss cube amp and i would like turn the distortion setting on at the end of mass <laughs> and here comes hell's bells yeah yeah and the director of the of the music program he would very coyly say be careful god also distributes lightning bolts <laughs> oh they laugh and i'd be like whatever mr byros <laughs> yeah that was that was kind of my introduction to getting into it and then but it, it, that was like i guess sixth grade by eighth grade we had this eighth grade play you know it's like the end of the middle school thing is just some play that all the kids act in and all that and we had a little band put together and we were going to be like the closer of the play it was me it was thomas height it was eric schneider and it was clark andrews and we were going to do schools out by alice cooper yes. and it was like a movie like the the curtains go up like the whole school's there all the all the parents are all there we do schools out they love it they eat it up they're all cheering <laughs> twelve years old this is the best time of my life <laughs> we finish the song they put the curtain they close the curtains and everyone starts screaming encore all the kids all the parents encore encore like the best thing that possibly could have happened and I remember it was Mrs Michaels the music director she came back out from like the side of the backstage and she was like do not open those curtains William it was, it was or Phil, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's done do not open those curtains it was philip russ he was a real timid kid and he like was in charge of the rope and like i looked at ben i looked at philip and i was like hey phil he's like I'm like open those curtains up man <laughs> and he opened them up and they went crazy we didn't have another song but school's out again. but yeah i, I mean i <laughs> stage dough like it was it was what? unbelievable man my dad took me home he got me a couple cheeseburgers from mcdonald's because he was proud of me and i said <laughs> i was eating my burgers and i was like dad i think i know what i want to do with my life and yeah i mean there's a lot of a lot of blanks to fill in from then to now but i feel really really grateful that uh i i think i was right i <laughs> i got to i got to have that moment as a kid and it's it's been music ever since then really that is a cementing moment in a town oh, never forget it it was like i'm just thinking about it like star wars hey phil do it yeah right <laughs> i told that story at my wedding actually <laughs> that does seriously sound like a movie scene it should be i might i'm gonna write that down yes dude I, so okay that that is a cementing moment for sure and just entering the music world uh, when and I guess how did you say okay I want to be on the side of creation of music and not just simply playing it but also being able to mix master produce and the whole shebang when did that start for you yeah that was sort of out of necessity really I mean because I you know, I was a guitar player obviously and I played around in bands my cousin and I had a band I um I met James Begin, who I've heard you guys talk about. He's in Tropidella. Yeah, huge fan. Yeah. James and the whole Trop crew. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We met in, in high school, and we had a band called the Glow Pop Jiggly Jams. We were a ska band. I believe I believe that Rex might have actually mentioned the Glow Pops to you guys. I listened to his episode last night. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was doing a bunch of different stuff musically just on that side of it. And must have been when I went to Cleveland State that I really started getting into it. Um 
with the production side because I just like wanted to be able to do demos like for the band. And like, I was kind of also doing like some singer songwriter stuff. I started getting a little bit into emo at that point. So I was kind of brooding a lot and I wanted yeah. to be able to like record all those thoughts. So my dad, he, he's, he's had a couple different like side hustle, little passion projects he's done over the years. He he's a writer. Um, he's written a, a couple of books. One of them's a novel. And then, you know, one of the things that he's done is like voiceover work. He got into that for, six months or so if i remember correctly and I mean, he was really good at it but he kind of just dropped it he had to get a microphone and a copy of pro tools in order to start doing that yeah. so he sort of dropped the voiceover stuff and i went to college and i was like dad are, is this stuff gonna sit in the basement here like could i take this with me and he's like yeah go ahead son you're gonna have it so i i uh just kind of plugged in the microphone and you know had this this light version of pro tools on my laptop and it, it started to like become a matrix to me i figured out how to record a little bit then i'm like okay this is how you do the eq this is how you do the compression the different building blocks of that stuff like started to really really grip me and yeah. it became an obsession of like oh my god that's how they do that I'm like holy shit youtube university for all of it and i was recording people out of my dorm room at that time too at Cleveland State, which got me into some trouble there i i <laughs> my dorm room was was dorm room 304 so i called it studio 304 <laughs> and nice. I, I printed out signs and i'd hang them up all over campus i lived in the dorms in euclid commons there and i'd hang them up and you know people would come and i'd charge uh, 20 bucks you know come do a song or whatever so they would nab me every now and then for sales and solicitation <laughs> operating a business on school property and shit so, <laughs> so um that's incredible yeah so it, it, it really just kind of became an obsession like over time like oh this is how you make this sound like this like this like this and then that mixed with people starting to kind of know like oh if i want to record a song i can go talk to that guy yeah. that that blended together and then that is where toby comes into play toby raps has entered the chat that's he was this crazy dude um he was wearing a blue blazer and pajama pants and he had his hair grows out like an afro all outwards and his hair i've been cutting a while all this red hair and this red beard <laughs> and he's he's singing about god knows what at this like euclid commons open <laughs> mic and no one's feeling him like i don't know um <laughs> if you'd like to edit it out or not i do remember the song the song was aids from anal sex uh, he um he just had this wild song when when we were all younger and no one was really feeling it and i was like <laughs> i want to impress that guy <laughs> like me and james was with me actually too we're like dude who is this guy that's that's crazy what that guy's doing and so he started recording in my dorm and the first the first thing that we ever made was this project called green sunrise and it's like i don't know it might be on soundcloud it might be lost forever i don't know but it's like a a hip hop rock hybrid thing that we just made in that dorm room. We went as far as having like an electric drum set in there, like guitars going on, bass going on. We had like people feature on it, different singers and rappers and stuff. Like we really made something there. And it took like so much like of not going out and, and partying and kicking it with the guys so much like, okay, I don't know how to make an album. How do you make an album and just figure yeah. it out? Trial and error. It took a lot of a lot of time to kind of get off the ground. But yeah, after after we were off to that, I left Cleveland State after a year and moved in with Toby and our buddy Josh, our friend Brian over in Little Italy, and I was doing the same thing there, just recording out of my bedroom. And yeah, and it was kind of no looking back at that point. I was also still making my own music, but yeah, yeah, it's it uh it kind of just took a hold of me, and I just had to know how it worked, and it became an obsession night after night trying to learn it. You know? 
Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Haven't you worked with Toby on like a couple of your solo albums? Yeah, yeah, he's been. I think that I have two solo hip hop albums. He's been on at least one song on each of those. Um, every now, I don't really rap so much anymore. Every now and then, my friends bring me out of retirement to do a track. Yeah, yeah. Toby's one of them. <laughs> if, if I'm working on something hip hop related. Um, for my own music, Toby's either on the song or I'm running it by him. And hey, am I doing a good job? Like, how does this sound? You know, he's he's my rock for that kind of thing. He's he's a master at it. It's been so awesome seeing him be like a, a gifted rapper and then turning into like a masterful rapper, like really just getting better and better over the years. No, 100 percent. And I we spoke before the camera was rolling that I just vividly remember meeting him at a Winchester Open Mic Night with Mikey Silas and they it just the magnetism of like a human like like you said i want to be friends with that guy like, yeah i want to know like what like what's what's going on with him and just hang out and and that is huge to be able to just have that and then again to have the talent as well to back it up is like astronomical um yeah no doubt man god bless him yeah no he's killing it right now and just the whole area like his name's everywhere so no that's 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 awesome that uh I don't know, that's how you guys all kind of came together as well, because it seriously is a community of people that come through here. I've seen, like I've said multiple times already, just so many videos of this room. And uh, it's awesome that you guys have not only grown with each other, but also added more people and then just added more people into your crew. And it's, again, a community hub for just music lovers. Yeah, absolutely. Expanding the circle is a beautiful thing, no doubt. I'm kind of curious if I could ask you guys, how'd you guys How'd you guys get Vinyl Stallion started up? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so Club mm-hmm. and I have been just on and off in a sense of just tightly hanging out with each other. So him and I, he grew up next to a buddy of mine in Westlake. And I remember just playing running bases with you, Club, and just you always had yeah. And then he moved to Toledo and we didn't hang out too much. I would see him like here and there again coming back. And then in college, you went to OSU for a bit and I went to OU. So hung out a little bit there. We actually played in a band that ha- had a handful of shows called the Dango Packies down at OU. Dango Packies. The Dango Packies had songs. This was your goddamn song? Yeah, it was ours. And, Ooh, okay. uh, and a, a guy, Joe Belinsky, uh, out of a band called Mezclado down in Columbus, and uh, another buddy of ours. And we, uh, yeah, played a handful of open mics. And then, um, I don't know, we've stayed friends ever since, but... Then more recently, like in 2020, Klepp and I would just constantly be texting each other about music. So much so we're, we would ask each other the same question in a month span, probably like four times. And I think Klepp <laughs> was like, listen, man, we just got to get this down. And if you ever want to know our opinions on this, go back and listen to this episode. So oh, that's awesome. That's kind of so- how Vinyl Stallion started and uh, since our first couple of our album reviews. But then after a very short month of realizing we can be a platform for not just people performing in it but people that make the entire industry go around um all the way from yourself to marketing people we're hoping to just expand expand uh, our web but yeah so that's kind of how we got started with this whole thing and it's just flown ever since and it's been really fun yeah that's so cool it's awesome that you guys are like taking the steps to like build it up and build other people up along with it like you're like you'll definitely reap the benefits of that like that's going to be so rewarding yeah. and fulfilling it's it's like doubly cool that it came from just like man we talk so much about this let's just like talk about it and, and if people want to listen to it they can listen to exactly it. yeah really cool <laughs> and uh 
No, yeah, it's it's uh I mean you 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 mentioned reap the benefits. I mean, I am reaping the benefits of simply just like learning and talking to people. Hell yeah. And like right. learning when we do our reviews, like it's fun as fuck. Like it's like a chapter of my life, even though it's like a week span where I'm like, all right, we're doing Abbey Road this week. And I just yeah. have to listen to it three times and be like, oh, what a time. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. It's fun. It's fun. You guys oh, like- and you get to meet like super cool people like yourself, Chris. Oh shucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> What were you gonna say? I was gonna ask if you guys have heard of a podcast called Dissected. Mm, I have not. To- Toby actually put me onto it. It's this okay. guy. I've listened to like one of the series, but it's this guy. He's by himself, and he just like he just dissects albums. Okay. Like he's like he's very like Kendrick Lamar by saying, you know what I mean? Like he's he's a little bit sleepy. Sometimes he gets a little bit extra eloquent, but by and large, it's really cool. <laughs> did one on Dark Twisted Fantasy, Ooh, which is one of my favorites, especially just as a producer, you know, to listen to. And I love that series. I mean, they're like hour-long episodes, I think, song by song, yeah. whole albums. Yeah, dissected. That's pretty cool. No, that's a cool aspect of it. Yeah, we're always open. We're to like even collabing with people as well as uh, and like discussing with each other on it. So now dissect what to dive what did I, it? I think I found it is the host Cole Kuchna. It's a way better name than us. Kuchna? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It says know. one album per season, one song per episode. Is that like how it goes? That's most likely. Yeah. Okay. Like, he should have a lot of hip hop albums on there. He should also have Bo Burnham's Inside on there. Nice. He did that. Yeah. That's yeah, one of the seasons is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. So I, oh, I think you're wow. right. This is the one. Dude, you mentioned it, and you mentioned hip hop a couple times now. But uh, like, I mean, Kendrick is my number one of like all time. Just like, and it, and honestly, like, it's obviously the rapping and the way everything plays, but the backing tracks and some hip hop and so many hip hop songs are just like mind blowing. And like, I've been getting so into like Outkast. Oh, yeah. And like just enthralled by all the stuff that's happening, and obviously drew to you as well. If you're still involved in it and still enjoy doing stuff like that, yeah, totally. You mean like the background stuff, like vocals that are in the background and everything? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, vocals, but also just everything that's happening in the background. I'm like, you could have no lyrics, and just just backing track is absolute killer, and uh, and even in just like a funk jazz realm as well like not even just yeah. hip-hop but like and again i mentioned outcast and kendrick right there like those are the two that come to mind for me and then Kanye. but yeah it's such a cool cool i don't know part of music for us to grow up with and then continue to see it evolve <laughs> yeah Ken- i mean kendrick's insane with like a lot of the vocal stuff i'm pretty sure it's on backseat freestyle where like i i the first time i heard this i like adopted it right away we're like the vocal is kind of like at a normal pace, like here, you know, it's just going along. And then as it's going along, there's another one fading in. And now this one's in charge. You know what I mean? Where yeah. like, the one fades down and the one fades up. I heard that and I was like, oh, dude, that's like, that's not even difficult. That's just a good idea. Yeah. That's just sick, you know? So that's something I do a lot for sure. I listen to a lot of the production stuff um, with a lot of hip hop music and I guess with music in general too. And, a lot of the times, like when I when I catch something that like catches my ear, I'm like, oh my god, I just have to like pause, open something up, load something and up, work on it right away. Yeah, yeah. It stunts my listening experience a lot of the times. A new record that I like comes out because I'm just like, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, <now> I <laughs> yeah uh, what I want to do now. So I have to go back and give things a few listens sometimes. What when you started diving into the whole recording process of it all, what was your 
biggest challenge that comes to mind. Like, biggest challenge with diving into recording. Yeah, just whether it be a certain aspect specifically inside of whatever uh, you're using or just, I don't know. Yeah, is there any challenge that comes out where you're just like, fuck, it took me so long to like get that down? A, a big challenge? Honestly, the, the, like there's definitely been a few, like, you know, just learning and getting the confidence yeah. with it. But like one thing that I, I think that some people might miss about like when you're recording artists and whatnot is like, you do have to like make it sound good. You have to like be creative and stuff, but you're also like providing an experience. It's also the hospitality business. You yeah. know what I mean? And like curating that experience and making sure that like you're vibing and like you're doing a good job of like being in charge of the thing. That's kind of like more challenging than a lot of the stuff because you can't, you can't learn that on YouTube university. You have to run session after session after session before you can open the door and say, Hey, trust me. I know how to do this. Yeah. I got you, bro. So a big part of that, especially coming up, like recording hip hop is like not letting people intimidate you. I mean, there's, there's a lot of rappers like locally who, who don't really have like careers popping off. Maybe they do a showcase every now and then, but I mean, those, a lot, a lot of those people, they kind of started, I kind of started like doing this seriously with rappers like that, where it was like, you know, seven people in the room and everyone's talking over what you're trying to do. And everyone, you, you got two blunts in rotation you got a couple bottles of Hennessy. And it's like, people are like, <laughs> dude, I'm at the fucking studio. It's a Friday night. I'm getting fucked up and God bless it. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Right. But you just like, can't get the nerve to stand up and say, Hey, could everyone shut the hell up for a second? I'm trying to work on this. Like kind of like getting your, getting your, I guess earning your stripes would be a pretty good way to put it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that was one of the biggest challenges was just sort of like understanding like the boundaries that, that I have um, when I'm yeah. working with somebody and, and curating that experience more so and, and molding that into something that works for everybody, you know? Well, I appreciate you diving into that. I mean, you could have just simply said how many wires there are involved yeah. in this business. <laughs> the wires are no problem, man. All that you can Google everything, dude. I'm one of those kind of people who gets like super upset when somebody doesn't just Google something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's all right in front of you. Everything. Everything is it's, it's crazy. So yeah, if there's ever like a problem, you know, troubleshooting and whatnot, that's like half of recording and, yeah. and a lot of audio and video tech and stuff too. It's an organization you can't see behind us uh, right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got, got all your work <laughs> order, which is something that I need to work on myself. <laughs> <laughs> the over under wrapping technique, baby. That's right. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a little demo video. Are you have? Yes. Yeah, so like, you got to wrap a cable. All right. Well, we'll do a little feature, a quick uh, 15, 30 second. Just <laughs> just say the word but yeah that's a that's a big challenge with it is you know just just relating to people yeah no and that's a huge one that like I, like i could have i would have thought of a thousand other things that i would have thought you said and the fact that it just comes down to being personable is like just shows how far being personable can be and just being a good person and you never know where one person is going to lead to somewhere else we just had a great homie of the show named Ian uh, who is a DJ in town and long story short a really small show in like a gymnasium led to him opening up for two friends at Nautica oh and sick. it just shows how one thing you never know and knowing one person can lead to the next thing so being personal being a good person I mean is, is that too hard Stampede is that too hard <laughs> <laughs> Not right, Clap, is that too hard um, I don't think so. Everyone can do it. It's free. 
Well, it's something you guys definitely are good at and understand too. Cause I mean, you made it super clear to me like, yeah, this is like no pressure whatsoever. Just hanging out, chatting. Yeah. That's as personal as it gets. Exactly, man. It's all about right on. up and I learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we are in Signal Flow Studios. How did this evolve from your apartment or your bedroom? This this space was started by my business partner. Him and I are 50-50 partners. We're owners of the company together. And he goes by Jake. Very cool. It's Jake Jekyll. He started the studio in 2013. So he was in bands because this is a rehearsal space. He was in bands that would practice around here. And um, the current, I'm sorry, the, the former landlord, he had this room kind of separate as a recording studio. He actually passed away and he entrusted this to Jake. Okay. So Jake has been working out of here for a long time. If you guys know Doughboy, Chapo, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ocho too, a lot of the RBMG guys, they used to record here. Okay. So Doughboy signed a Futures label and he's blowing up and whatnot. This is kind of where he got his start. Jake was the guy who was recording Doughboy back then. Okay, that's... Very cool. Yeah, crazy stuff for sure. But I... I had mentioned, I think, that I left Cleveland State, moved in with my friends in Little Italy. I went to Tri-C's recording program. It couldn't keep up with that obsession of just every single night of my life, learning more and more and more, going online, experimenting with stuff. So I left Tri-C, too. Um, and then I kind of, you know, we, we bounced around a little bit. We were partying, having a good time. We're talking like 21 years old now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we set up in the basement. We're just just drinking a lot and and making songs and stuff. Um, and eventually, what I had done. What's up, Winston? <laughs> now you're good, man. <laughs> That's my guy, Winston. He's an engineer here too. Oh yeah, shout out to Winston. Shouts out, Winston. Winston. Churchill Productions. You can find him on Instagram, Churchill Productions. That is okay. Engineer. He's really good at like R and B vocals and stuff like that. He'll he'll sauce you up good. Hell yeah, I'd love to chat with him. But um. Yeah, I, I like many of us do, I, I developed the mission of moving to Los Angeles. And that was like 2015 or so. So I moved back here with my folks. I'm working at my dad's machine shop, saving up some money. I'm, I'm still making beats in the basement. Sometimes people are driving down at like Calgary Falls, Monroe Falls, where, where they live. And uh, I'm still sometimes recording people down there. But I saved up some money and I moved out to LA and it chewed me up and spat me out. It was crazy. I was done in like four and a half months before okay. I decided to fuck this. I'm coming back. Running out of money, falling in with the wrong crowd, living in a, a studio apartment with seven other people. Oh my god! Two bunk beds and four mattresses on the floor. It was just kicking my ass, man. It was kicking my ass. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here. Is there one story out there that just stands out? Ah, dude. I mean, there's some that aren't so happy. There are some yeah. that are like pretty, pretty messed up. Um, I think that like the the biggest part of like the whole adventure that like really stands out that just kind of blows my mind is I worked I, I had a couple jobs in that four and a half month period, but I worked at a nitrous refill shop. Okay. So ideally what we would do there, it was called Speedworks. It was in South Central Los Angeles, one of the more infamous neighborhoods in, in LA, pretty rough part of town there. And ideally the way that it would work is you come in with your tank and it's empty and you want nitrous in it so that you can put it in your car. And I guess you could have like a legal amount of nitrous to go real fast. Yeah. You can't like street race, but it's cool to have nitrous kind of seems like a blurred line. To me. <laughs> I don't know why it was cool, but it, that didn't matter anyway, because nobody was putting it in their cars. They were putting it straight in their brain, brother. 
Oh my god! Like, I would probably taking it to goose shows and selling whippets. Yes, you got it. Dude. <laughs> you got it, Cleb. I mean, I would say probably more than half of the customers when they when they would come in with one of those tanks, it would have the little rubber end of the balloon on it. And my boss, Lalo, <laughs> great dude. He, he he gave me a bicycle. He's like, "You taking the bus to get down here?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't have a car." He was like, "Bro, take this bike, and when you like lock up and leave." Ride it really fast. Oh my god. North straight. <laughs> Just you can get out. I'm not having you wait at the bus stop. I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But um he told me like I, I found the little rubber band. I'm like, I was like super naive. I was I think I was 22 or whatever. And I never I never mess with whippets. I never will. And I, I'm like, what is this little thing on the tank? He's like, Oh, that he threw it in the trash. He's like, there's like a bunch of other ones in there too. He's like, it's just like that sometimes. Don't worry about that. Okay. But <laughs> I worked there and like to to like run that kind of operation, you have to have a shit ton of nitrous, obviously. So we would get ship like shipments of nitrous, super heavy. You have to like tilt it and like use your leg to roll it, like you can't lift it, like not even almost. And you have to strap them. Yeah, you have to set them against the wall, and you have four at a time, and that's like your reserve. That's what you're going to use to serve your customers throughout the day. Each one of them has three heating pads on it. Okay, it's got to be like some super specific range like 112 to 117 degrees or something like that i don't know if it goes too cold it might explode and if it goes too hot it might explode so <laughs> you you have to have a temperature gun and you have to be checking the temperature like every like four minutes i, I hesitate to say five minutes like you have to like always know if it's getting too hot turn the heating pads down get too cold turn the heating pads up and they just gave me this job I have no idea how any of that works. I had an interview <laughs> off of Craigslist in a Starbucks, and she's like, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're doing a good job in the interview. You're making eye contact with me. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I am. She's like, well, I mean, you know, a lot of meth heads around here, it's kind of tough to follow their eyes. And I was like, oh, no, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Gave me this job. And furthermore, there was always oil. There was always Southern California marijuana. There was always plum wraps. I mean, you would just get, like, fucked up the whole time i'm just drinking liquor and smoking weed i gotta keep these things like the perfect temperature and people aren't allowed to come into the store there's like a little lobby and there's like a, a hole in the wall okay like you, they're not coming back and you have a pit bull with you her name is pretty gorgeous pit bull we would play throw the ball smoking the blunt checking the temperature and these dudes would come in like trying to try to press you you know what i mean trying to get discounts and stuff they'd walk out and they'd get their tank stolen people would post up and oh steal people's <laughs> Hey, that's funny took it. You want another one? I got a pit bull. The hell I do. You better get out of here. And just like this is a proper I, movie. It was crazy. <laughs> like, like there's wild days there, man, with customers and all that. But just the fact that they just trusted me with that. And like if you wanted to get food, you could just take some money out of the register and like flash it at the camera, like, hey, 25 bucks, Lalo, like check it out, count it later. Like it was so wild that I ever worked there. I've actually I've actually talked to him a few times since. I've been to back to Los Angeles plenty of times since I since I've uh, since I came home, but I haven't met up with him yet. I text him every now and then, just be like, "Hey, you alive? You doing well?" But yeah, you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> so fun. Glad someone took care of you. Yeah, shout out Lala. I'm gonna have to send him the link to this. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Respect you, brother. That's it. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And yeah, that'll make for a quick just in and out of the West Coast life and. Yeah. Uh, to the safe Midwest, that is. I guess that was kind of a, a yeah. I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked with all that, but what? No, yeah, what, yeah, that's well, yeah, that's a crazy story. When yeah, job. Yeah, when I left to go fill up nitrous tanks in in South Central for two months, I uh, 
I wasn't recording anymore, obviously. So all of the people that I was working with had to find a new studio. So James and Toby, they found this place through Dante. Dante's Frost, he's kind of like the manager of Signal Flow. Dante is like the best networker I know. So many people who like hear about what we do here, hear about what I do or just that I meet. Like, oh yeah, like, switchy hair dude. Dante, yeah, Dante. Or like, oh yeah, Dante told me about you, bro. Dante's awesome. God bless him. I think him and James knew one another and he brought him in here. Um, and when I came back, you know, I was kind of down and out. I felt pretty disappointed in myself and all that. And uh, so I, I kind of started my own recording operation, just kind of always keep it running. A couple of people are coming back. But Jake, dude who started the studio, he took me out to the bar and he was like, hey, man, I think we should I think we should join up. Like, I have a recording studio. You don't. And I can tell that you could bring a lot to it. And I could, like, bring a lot to your life, too, man. I've got this space. I think we should help each other out instead of sticking down in the same ditch. You know, like, let's try to do something. You know, I've been here a few times. We had kicked it a few times. And we were just drinking beer and eating chicken wings, talking about it. And I was like, oh, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And I got in the car afterwards. And I, I was like, I don't need to think about it. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. That's, <laughs> that was the beginning of that. Yeah. yeah well, and when was that for uh, when you joined Signal? That was 2016. It's a good year. Joined forces. Started dating my wife. Won the finals. That was a good year. That's a great year. Yeah, 2016 Both. was good. Yeah, that was back. 216 then. and 216. You got it. Coming up on 10 years now, isn't it? Oh, like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there used to be like a, a nasty old purple carpet in here. All the equipment we used to have, like not half of that stuff. Just, you know, just day in, day out, building it up, making it better. And uh, yeah, just super, super grateful that Jake thought of that. And that he was like, hey, man, like, let's, let's partner up and do something because... I don't know, you know, where I'd be if I didn't have the village that I do around me and you know, the people who can support the people who we can shoot and, you know, work on goals with each other, set goals with and keep each other accountable. I mean, that stuff is so crucial. So, yeah, it it is. And obviously has shown and brought you to make some incredible music with some incredible artists now that we're flash forward to 2023. I mean, talk, talk for us about that album behind you. Oh, all the colors. Yeah, that's a sick album. Tropodelic, their most recent album. You got um, you got evolution as well, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I mean both fantastic albums. I think those are the two most recent, aren't they? There's not one in between the two. That's correct. Yeah, those are the two most recent. How hyped were you? Like so how, uh, did it I assume James obviously helped bridge some paths with the Trap world. Um, obviously, Trap has been around for a minute, uh, put out a handful of albums. But, I mean, how did you, like, I don't know, what was the excitement on your end of when they said, hey, we want to work with you? It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, because I've known those guys for as long as James has. Because we used to play with Tropodelic sometimes back when we were the Glow Pop Jiggly Jams. So okay. They would put us on. They had, like, they do Everwild now, which is, like, legit awesome festival. Yeah. But they've been doing, like, their own mm-hmm. music festival for, like, a really long time, like mm-hmm. ten, like probably over 10 years. Um, it was called Trop Town for a while. They had Freaks Town for a couple of years after that. Yeah. But yeah, they, like they would have us play, you know, open up for them in the daytime or something like that. So when James had joined the band, you know, we just, we became friends with everybody who was in the band and all that. And I, I just started kind of working with everybody from Tropodelic, like independently, actually. 2019, I guess, like coming into 2020. Um, 
Bobby was working on some stuff. He wanted to try out a couple little little songs he had. I don't know like what any of the release plans were for that or for a lot of the stuff. Sometimes it's just kind of like, okay, let's let's figure it out. Let's, yeah, see what's shaking. Derek, I produce all of Derek McBride stuff. Um, so yeah, he's actually got he's got an album coming out. I think it's July seventh. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, he's got an album coming out. It's really cool. It's like uh, you know, folksy kind of bluegrass stuff. I was doing him. I was doing James obviously as well. Um, I was doing Rex's stuff. Some of his first, like I think his first couple songs on his own Spotify, I recorded those. Um, I think I produced one of them. And I don't know. I don't think that I'm missing anybody. Derek left. And that was a little bit more recently though. But at any rate, finally Rhodes, the 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 leader of the band, Ed Honcha, he hits me up. He's like, yeah, hey, I want to see what's I want to see what's going on. I got a solo song too. So we did it. I made the beat for that, and that was like. That was sort of the pressure was on, you know what I mean? Because I had known Rose for a while and I've always known that he's a good guy. But he's also like the the leader, you know, he's top dog and yeah. he orchestrated the entire thing. So it's like, okay, like with everybody else, like I've been I've been doing my due diligence. I need to impress these cats. I need to make sure this guy thinks that I rock. Yeah, absolutely. So let's send it, you know, putting in extra hours on the songs, making sure I'm listening to it and stuff like that. He uh, sent it off to mixing and whatnot. He was happy with it. And uh, yeah, from there, I think, I think he called me up and he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm considering having you do the production. Like, would you be down for that? And if, if I remember, remember the conversation, right. It was just like, yes, absolutely. Like yeah, absolutely. let's, let's get a crack in. So it was kind of like, I got to really, you know, dip my toes in with everybody and kind of figure out the process with everybody and including Rhodes. And I think at that point he felt comfortable, like, yeah, let's, let's see what Chris can bring to the table here. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was sick. It was also cool. Cause like at that point, like everyone kind of followed the studio, like I've known them for years. We've been working on music with one another for probably around a year. Oh, and yeah. it's like, cool. Now we're all in the same room. Let's yeah. make a record, baby. So yeah, that's where Evolution <laughs> came, came from. That was Evolution was the first one I did. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was, yeah, I fucking love that album. And then, yeah, All the Colors, man, that, didn't that get, like, considered for a Grammy? Yeah, yeah, it got considered by the Recording Academy for a, a nomination, yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, like that's that's the closest we've come, man. Super stoked on that. And, you know, just a lot of gratitude to all the guys, to James for connecting everything, to all the dudes in the band for just rocking with me, and to Rhodes, too, for sure, to, to, to giving me that shot. Um, that's so sick to be able to say on my end, too, to have yeah. that shot and be able to, like, share in that moment with them because because uh we got to make it together it's awesome dude yeah no i saw over at um i believe it's heart and gold heart of gold yeah or, uh, heart gold they've started like a series of uh it takes a village yeah that's james's thing and i saw james and um elena wisen cli well you know that yeah we're family friends from way back well nice, nice. uh so i've saw that i, I believe there's one the one so far and it's just again people just preaching about the community and singing songs together and just i don't know everyone hyping each other up and it really just shows right there from just the tropical world i mean cup and i were uh, able to, uh, to go out to sunny days last year and just to see the community that is behind there's truck flags everywhere yeah, in yeah. the ewok village that is nelson's legend yeah that's and, right down in the legend yeah <laughs> It's it's it it's incredible to see and it's incredible to know that it's literally happening in our backyard here in Cleveland, Ohio. Hell yeah, no doubt about it. Ah oh, man, the ledges. Yeah, no, that was my first and honestly only experience there so far, and it was like downpouring rain. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite an experience, honestly. Did you guys yeah. went up camp or did you guys dip out? We just went for the night uh, just to see Trop and then honestly like bounce. I think okay. aluminum. 
was maybe playing after them. But yeah, we we, we honestly just stayed and drove right back. But it was a hell of an experience. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, I was mad I was out of town for this year's, but I heard it was rowdy. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, there's some good local bands. I mean, speak of Rubik's Groove. Yeah. Jamming right below us right now. Yeah, I saw them on the line. Their their set was wild. They seriously had like three or four encores, oh, and wow. at, at, at a certain point, it was like, down, like all right, know. some of these are planned, but how many of them? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the so guy like, who the ledges as well just came out and was like, like just like fuck the cop for harassing these people. Everyone's here having a good time. Like everyone's just. Like, <laughs> Roll, baby. <laughs> I like going there when there's not a show, actually. Yeah, it's just hiking or like hanging out by the water. The water, man, that quarry and like the uh the whole the whole cliff and the quarry, you can just jump off the cliff, do some swimming, they have a lifeguard on a kayak. Why not? Yeah, you guys should stop by there this summer and do a little picnic. Ooh. Do a little cannonball or two. Don't sound club for Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy likes a good cannonball. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Just hanging out. I'm trying to do more of that this summer, more pool time, more brilliant time. Yeah, no, I yeah, I'm right over by the Edgewater, and I've just been trying to make a point to just get out and honestly, speaking of people who just play music, like just go down to Edgewater. There are people just strumming the guitar and stuff down yeah. there all the time, and I'll do it sometimes. And the amount of people that come up to me just to be like, "Hey, like, what are you playing?" This everyone's interested yeah. to see the music what do you like to do out there you do covers or do you do you do original? um i do a lot of my original songs um i've talked in it a while now but i've been trying to put together a record under spruce um it's, it'll, i know the uh, it'll be called where the smoke goes where the smoke goes where the smoke goes gotcha. that'll be the title track um but yeah no i've had these songs for a while and yeah we'll play those um i actually i guess i'll share it here i don't know if i've said it on an episode but i was down at edgewater about a couple weeks ago and strumming and some woman with the camera comes up to me and goes hey do you know somewhere over the rainbow and i was like um like i can learn it she goes are you ukulele player for this wedding if it, it, it hasn't shown up yet can you like learn that i was like uh yeah and i like thank god i like i learned that but then i also had just learned circle of life by elton john before so oh yeah baby i posted up i'm just playing those songs acoustically but then halfway through the ukulele player shows up and like a thief in the night, I'm gone. I I don't even think I told them my name. They've seen me in pictures, but I'm just gone. That's crazy. You know? Like, why? Well, right, yeah, literally. Who was, who was the mystery man playing Circle of Life? That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to come down then. Throw a dollar in the guitar case for you. Hey, oh, come absolutely. on down. We're, yeah, we're, yeah, maybe we should like busk for like a good reason club. That's a good idea. Yeah, you definitely should do. Busking is awesome. Ch- charity busk. Yeah, that fun. that's like a lot of Toby's origins is busking. Yeah, yeah, he um, I mean that was his job for like a year. Yeah, it was just busking. If you guys ever have a chance to have him on the show, then I'll, I'll I'm not going to tell his story for him. But okay, yeah, I, I did a lot of a lot of busking with him. Yeah, yeah. busking sweet. Uh, speaking of Toby, didn't he just drop a song? Yeah, yeah, Psycho Pipe Dream came out last Friday. Video dropped, I think, on Saturday. A couple days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That one's sick, man. It's got. It has uh, an artist from Tennessee. He's originally from Seattle, but he, he lives in the Nashville area named Slake Dransky. Um, he's on the second verse. 
Chardin from Apostle Jones is doing yeah, Lafreely goals. Yep, you got it absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we love her. Yeah, Mikey kind of helped out with some of the the writing of the harmonies and stuff a little bit. And then Mookie, I don't know if you guys have heard of Mookie before. He's I definitely heard that name. Yeah, he's an artist from around here. He ripped on the sax. Eric from Apostle Jones played trumpet. Our friend Hothead, okay. he recently also joined Apostle Jones, and he's he's on the keyboard. He uh, he wrote a, a bridge for this song too. So it actually had um. There's an engineer who's kind of working out of here part time now who is shadowing me. Anytime that we're going to work with somebody or they're going to use our spaces, we say, all right, we need like 10 or 15 hours of like time where you come and watch us in our sessions. Okay. So you can become familiar with the workflow. And it was it was somebody who was shadowing me. Um, his, his name is Tyler, and he got to sit in on one of those sessions. And I was like, this is a good one. Yeah. Be where you are when you're here. Crass opera. This is a good one. Everyone, <laughs> everyone in the room, is super talented and laughing, and like everything we do to the song is just making it so much better. It's so nice. much fun. Yeah, it's a cool. Yeah, that was a great, great tune. Um, it, it, do you have any uh, ones you're working on currently, or any ones on the up and coming horizon that you're willing to shout out? Um, I guess we don't want to drop any news advance though. Yeah, I can't drop any can't drop any news. But there's some stuff that I'm working on with Toby and James. Um, we put out a song 420 this year. It, it was that song is called Constellations, and that came out pretty recently. And so we're working on some more hip hop stuff like that. I um I'm always like working on some kind of project. Like we talked about earlier before we before we fired up the camera and the microphone it's like it's just so hard to like actually follow through and like finish it you know like there's always there's always something that i'm working on yeah it's been it's been pretty cool though like with the past couple months with with bands dropping like mr princess released a song that i did buzz baldrin put out a record Robert yeah Kendall. shout out to buzz yeah Boys. god bless the buzz boy that's where we met at there uh that's right in show yeah. man at that release show that one came out pretty good and then uh all the hypes just came out good um he's a rapper he has an album called this is crazy we're out of the production on it he rapped okay it's an artist that i work with named jude lynn she just dropped something yeah just a lot of drops going on you know so it's 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 cool to like be working on something all the time and then like when you kind of take a second and like look back you're like oh my god all this stuff is like coming out later. i can't keep up with it i used to like post about everything on my instagram and like yeah now it's just like oh, okay like if i'm gonna post on my on my stuff like Maybe I should like create something and like put myself out there like that. It's weird. No, yeah, it's hard to. It, it's weird because you're yeah promoting. You obviously want to promote other people you're working with, but at the end of the day, like we just had a uh, photographer, videographer, I uh, named Gino Ordini on who talked about. Oh, I think I know Gino. Gino. Yeah. I, I don't like know. I feel like I've met him a few times. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Homies uh, with the. Uh, lads over at a uh, plastic dino records over in bay okay and but he um just talked about how a big thing he's trying to do now is like promote himself like you can only promote your picture so much but you gotta have someone getting a video of you doing this and uh he was just talking about the challenge of that yeah <laughs> being able to promote himself so, um, and he's got a farm and he has a farm at club yeah we asked Clep a huge question. He said, what are your dreams last episode? And he said he wanted to own a farm with sheep. And Gino goes, well, I'm living your dream currently. So, oh, is that right? <laughs> got a farm. So you just brought up something, though, uh, just naming all those artists. How is it just, uh, I guess, switching modes with people who you're working with? And um, I don't know. I feel like that would be an interesting challenge because it's obviously different music, different personalities, and 
obviously relationships as well. You may have just met someone or have known someone for many, many years. What's that like? Just like switching on your hats immediately. Oh man, it's, it's not, I don't find it difficult to do that personally. Like say I am working with Tropidelic in the studio and like before or after them, I have somebody who's, who's not really even interested in making a career out of it. Like some people come to work here and, you know, they just want to, just pay the studio rate and make some rap songs. They might not even drop them, you know, like yeah. there's a couple people like that. So I, I might say like dealing with like a professional and then an amateur, but not an amateur in so much of a bad way, just in that sense. Like it, it's not really difficult for me to just immediately sort of switch and be like, okay, this is this person's standard. This is this person's capabilities. This is how far I can push this person. This is how much I should be doing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really remember if that's like, if that was difficult, because like the thing about it is it's just yeah it's it's the the biggest thing about that like switching with different personalities of music and whatnot is your entire day feels like it didn't happen that way because <laughs> there's like no windows in a recording studio really so like yeah time passes yeah we just walk in that other room and you go holy shit it's still light out yeah, like, i think we have two more hours no idea <laughs> like, when you're recording like, not only is it not a good idea like it's if you're if, if somebody's like hiring you for your services like it's not really appropriate to be on your cell phone in the first place when you're recording like you kind of need to be keeping your eye on things listening very intelligent things i don't really use my phone when i'm in sessions i was at back-to-back sessions today and so like i like i don't know really what's okay. going on like i yeah like it, that's what it's like is it's just like whirlwind it's fast it's like oh my god okay totally different vibe right now like now i have to like adopt this part of, of my personality to you know kind of meet this person halfway and make sure that they're satisfied sort of thing but it's fun it's a rush i'm i uh, i'm a pretty high energy person so i definitely don't mind like all right yeah, wrapped up good. one here's the next one let's do it baby i know dude I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah <laughs> It's it's so big to be able to have just that mentality, honestly, in a day span and to do it multiple days in a row. Hats off to you, my friend. <laughs> what about changes in like not necessarily personalities, but like genre? Like, what's it like if like let's say you got like a hip hop, soul, R and B band, and then you got like some punk rockers coming in after? Um. That's a that's like an interesting like angle of it to kind of like think about a little bit deeper because that I feel like affects me a little bit more in my mood. You know what I mean? I think that I can mm-hmm. like put on the hat and match somebody's energy when they come to work with me pretty well. But I guess like in, in that specific instance, if I'm kind of feeling mellow and we're working on this track and it's soulful and everyone's everyone's vibing in a very smooth manner and then we're getting into punk i might have to sort of okay like <laughs> like pump it up here you know what i mean like metal music i i, I don't do a lot of metal but i do like a, a semi-decent amount of metal i mean you could even call a lot of buzz baldrin stuff metal that's probably the most yeah. recent yeah some of their stuffs yeah i would say falls into that yeah that stuff is tough to do later later in the day i mean if i've if i've been working on music and then i start mixing a metal song and it's it's the last thing that i have to do before i go home i'm getting fatigued way faster than i would if it's like a a singer songwriter um so it it definitely has an effect on you like going from genre to genre sometimes you're on the other end of it and you're ready for that punk rock for a minute it's kind of just it depends on your days going really but yeah it's it's weird it also like 
it kind of brings up something that I feel like I talk about fairly often, but by the end of the day, like I don't want to listen to music, dude. I want yeah. to. I don't. I just want to hear the sound of the uh, the sound of of I ninety under my four tires, you know, and just put the window down, maybe something like that. It's it's a jading experience to have all all those moods and and different people kind of like one after the other going on, but um, it, it doesn't that doesn't take away from how rewarding it is. You know? No, it's still it's still cool, it's still sick. Yeah, no, you're doing some very cool stuff here. And again, Signal Flow Studios, everyone, for all of your needs, definitely come check it out in general because, I don't know, it's a really cool space here and you guys are doing some great stuff, uh, obviously, for yourself, but also just, again, for the essence of our community and being able to have, like, a hub that's literally directly above practicing places. Like, yeah, that's incredible to be able to have and... Uh, again, I'm excited to see just more artists you work with, and uh, it's been really cool just and I'm getting to chat with y'all. I mean, I say y'all clap. It's been nice chatting with you too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was cool seeing because I I'd gone through some episodes of yours listening. It's cool seeing like when you got the video and like the progress on that and everything. And I, I'll probably tell you another time before we before we depart, but. If there's any way that this can ever be a resource for you, like yeah. hit me up. You have a microphone that dies and you need one quickly, give me a call. Like, oh, I'm like, yeah. boom, I got a microphone for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, love it's, it. all, it's all love, man, for real. I, I love yeah, it. Thanks love so much it. for having me. Dude. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, Chris, as always in music, we can't just let you go. You think we're just going to let you go <laughs> and just like go back to you, do, do whatever? There's always an encore here on Final Stand. Uh, uh, Spruce, before the encore, I, I just have one other question for Chris. Hello, well, going. If you were to just like make a pitch out there right now to somebody who's like looking for a recording studio, what would you say like sets Signal apart from like other studios? Oh, okay. The elevator. I would say that on the surface level of things, one thing that sets us apart from other studios is how quickly we can operate the program that we use to record. And that translates to you leaving with a solid sounding mix. Now, whether or not that's your final mix, nine times out of 10 it is. But having an aesthetic and sonically pleasing product every time you walk out of this room is something that I do not think every studio in town can do. Um, I would also say that you get the benefit of my full attention when you come to work with me. And as I actually mentioned in the beginning of the, of the podcast, the number one thing that I want artists to take away from coming to Signal Flow Studios is pride. I want you to get in your car and play your music back and feel proud of yourself for, for committing to coming to the studio and investing in yourself for writing music, for performing it for uh, listening to it with a critical ear and doing everything you can to make it feel as, as good as it can to listen to. I want you to be proud of all of that. That's my number one goal when you come to work with me. And uh, I, I I don't miss the mark very often, to be honest with you, gentlemen. I, I, I get a lot of smiles here and a lot of people tell their friends about this place. And um, I hope that you'll be a friend soon too. Right on. And I would agree with that analysis. Like, the the two trop vinyls that i have both slap the new buzzy piece sounds great like i i mean i gotta dive into more but yeah everything that you've put out like with an artist that i've heard 
sounds like pretty damn good. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I do want to say too that uh, so much of that is on the artist's end. I I definitely feel like the source and the idea for the song and you know where somebody starts with their with their vision of something. I can't. I mean, it's just a blank screen on a computer before an artist shows up. So I, I'm very very lucky to work with people who are capable of making awesome music like that. Makes my job easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a two way road. Yeah. You got it. You got it. So, yes, as I was saying, there's always a encore here on Vinyl Stallions. Yeah. And the, the question starts as simple as this. What is your most memorable concert experience? And it can be multiple experience. So it doesn't have to be limited to one. And you could think of it as just an incredible experience of you being on stage or in a crowd. Or it could be the other side of the spectrum where you're just like, what the fuck did I just witness? That person did what? He, she, it said what? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And feel free to name a bunch of them, but, but anyway. Okay, I can name a few? Yeah. Okay. Because that, that's a Mount Rushmore question right there. You, no. you guys ever play Mount Rushmore? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's a very Mount Rushmore there. It is I, absolutely. I can fly through them. If we have time, I'd like to hear your guys's too. I don't know if we need to shut it down before then, but no, I, I mean, we, I oh, there's it. no time restriction. Yeah, let's play. Let's play Mount Rushmore as a concert. Let's yeah, do it. let's do it. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, the first one that I'm going to put on here, it's kind of you know, you know the drill with Mount Rushmore. It's in no particular order unless you name the president. I'm not going to say this is my George. <laughs> this is this is one of the faces on my rock. It's the first one that I thought of when you asked me this question, Spurs. This is ICP at the Agora side stage. Okay. And okay. I, I'm not into ICP. I don't listen to ICP. I could tell you like probably the names of two or three songs. But my buddy Walter and his wife, they were going. And he's he's like, he's not a juggalo, but he just loves like how wild that shit is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he had been before and he's like, bro, you got to trust me. Throw on your boots because there's going to be a lot of Vega and I'm picking you up. <laughs> like we're going to see ICP tonight. And I was all about it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, the juggalo community is so nice to each other they are yeah not to a lot of other people i've seen them do some pretty disrespectful things <laughs> but, but like it's all like love for the homies you know whoop, whoop, it's two whoops you know and i mean icp just crushes dude i mean they're rapping and they have a two liter of bago and they're shaking it and unscrewing it with <laughs> one hand and spraying it everywhere I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you it's up to your ankles in bago there's so much bago and you're covered in bago and you i don't even know the words but i'm just mocking it like yeah bago is sick at the end, or not, but like they 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 walked off the stage, or maybe they did an encore already. I don't know. They walked off the stage, and they kept the beat going, and it, it, it was a free for all. I don't know if we were invited, but we all got on stage. <laughs> and I'm up there on the stage, like next to me, and there's these juggalettes are dancing, and they're all you know, it's, everyone's just going crazy up there. And I, I see this this two liter of Fago right in front of me, and it had not been opened, and so I start stomping on it i got my car hard steel toes on and it's going everywhere and everyone's like ah. i'm like yeah it was, so, <laughs> it was so much fun that sounds fucking crazy just so much fun yeah wow <laughs> wait why fago is that their thing that's their thing yeah oh, i gotta dive in more <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that is amazing holy shit yeah they're they're wild man all right who's up next all right i'll go next I'm trying to think. So I'm going to go on just a out-of-body one, kind of. Okay. And, and this is going to be the Alabama Shakes. Oh, nice. At Bonnaroo in 2015. Bitch. And th they, uh, I, 
were the first of my morning jacket and then Kendrick. It was a, when Alabama shakes my morning jacket, Kendrick in a row on the main stage. And I will just never, it was a, it was a Friday. So it was, I guess it was the second day, but I, Brittany Howard is a masterclass singer, guitarist. And um, I really wish that band was still together. Yeah. And she's got her own stuff, which is really good as well. She does her own stuff. I yeah. No, she's got a couple solo uh, albums. I need and... to get hit. She's an icon. Yeah, she really is. And I just had, like, again, I knew, like, some songs, uh, but that was just one moment where I was like, I will never forget this, like, out-of-body kind of experience. Well, <laughs> so that, that is definitely on my Rushmore. But. So, Spruce, I'll just piggyback off of yours and go with a band that you just mentioned there. So, My Morning Jacket, I saw them for the first time last year at this um college on the north side of detroit oakland university they have like this really nice outdoor amphitheater on their campus and they're they're like a band that i've been getting into like quite a bit recently like i tore through their whole discography in like maybe like a month or two and so like first time seeing them live and it was like a religious experience like I went alone and like somehow found myself like dancing with this like 60 year old man who was like rolling blunts the whole concert and just like the music was nuts it was like a 25 song set or something like four song encore like jam band songs are getting extended like light shows crazy um so yeah i'll, I'll throw oh, that on mine <laughs> when they when they keep going on the song oh yeah oh that's our that's shit. that's the treat that is our shit indeed oh yeah you said that was where that was uh, on campus yeah meadowbrook amphitheater it's on the campus of oakland university which is like some small horizon league school on the north side of detroit so they play like against cleveland state in sports oh, yeah I have heard of them. Let's see. Yeah, there's like them, Cleveland State, Wright State. Was there like Loyola, Chicago? Yeah. I know some I Horizon that. League schools. <laughs> That's the next Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Next Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with a super simple one. Um, Just because this is the only time that I've ever done this particular thing. Um, Into it, over it at the Grog Shop. We've done an album. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys reviewed Intercept. Uh, Yes, we did. Yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah, cool. a AG was at that show though. He talked about it a little bit. Yeah, he's, that's a killer. Yeah, yeah, our buddy that uh, chose the album reviewed it. Yeah, yeah, well, but but I'd never heard of them before though. Yeah, it was crazy. It's like the Evan Weiss. He's like he is into it over it. So like, he only started touring like with a band like semi recently, like relatively speaking, I guess maybe it was like 2014 or something. And this this might have been around that time, but I know it wasn't their first live, like full band show in Cleveland, but it was the Grog Shop. And I was like, I had kind of dipped my toes. A, a big thing about whenever I do Mount Rushmore is with uh, concerts is Walter Hemelgar. And he, he, he's taken me to some good ones. Walter also took me to this one. I thought, like, just remember that. Just, he took me there. And they have a song called Write It Right. It's on an album called Proper. And, it, you know, they kind of break it down after the second hook or whatever and a little bridge coming up and then, you know, they build it up a little bit. And then they do this thing with bass, the guitar, and the drums are all like... <laughs> 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 then they go into this breakdown and I was like, whoa! 
and I ran to the merch booth and I, I, I stopped watching. Like I, I really should have soaked that in, but I ran my ass over there. I pulled my wallet and I was like, which album has that? Oh. And they were like this one. And I was like, so, so that, that <laughs> because I, that was literally like a, a two second moment where I was like, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna be my favorite record all year. <laughs> Do you buy the vinyl? Like are you in the vinyls yourself? No, no, it was just the CD. Oh. Um, I wish I was in a final. I think that's a sick thing that you guys have as a hobby. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's something very cool to be able to I don't know, have that piece of art in itself. It's just, it's just an extension of it all. Um, yeah, just like the authenticity of this is what makes this yeah. happen. And it's like so exactly. happening right before you. Yeah, no, there's, there's one that we even just talked about in a recent episode. It's just like this whole thing is purposely put together. Ready, go, and then like start like looking through it, being like, "Why is this here? Who did this? Who did what?" So yeah, it's a whole different aspect. But we'll continue down the Mount Run, uh, Rushmore, and I'm gonna go with a concert that uh, I went to last year in Columbus at, at, at Come Alive or Express Live, whatever that. Yeah, was. yeah. I, but sure. it was yeah. Corey Wong and the Wong Notes, if you know okay. them. And I, I like. I don't know why this jumped up like. I've been to so many concerts, but like this one, I walked out and being like, that's a top 10 concert I've ever been to. And uh, it's like, I don't know, it's like orchestra, orchestra style, like funk, jazz, jam band. It, like I, I was completely blown away at how much just fun they were having up there. They had a whole like six, seven person like horn section. It was kind of like all the older guys, they were like lined up like in a row like rose it was oh, it was so good oh that's awesome yeah Corey Wong definitely check him out he is uh and then like Wolfpack as well okay killer um, how is he associated with Wolfpack is he in Wolfpack yeah he's in Wolf uh yeah 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 he's a guitarist gotcha. in that band um but he is yeah he's Corey Wong and Corey Wong and the Wong notes is one of the characters. I'd say yeah, I'd seen the name before but I didn't check it out yeah kick ass he he does a, a bunch of like different like projects or bands too like there's also Corey Wong in the Dirty Loops and like he has like a bunch of like different casts that he'll like put together depending on like the vibe of the show yeah it's killer it's Love that. that was cool but what's in that number two for you um so yeah like I guess I'm kind of like picking them based off of like like remember when we had Slag Genie on and they were like that concert was like a religious experience. So I'm trying to think of like concerts that make me f like feel that same way. So I'm going to go with another one. Um Black Sabbath at Lollapalooza 2012. I was like at that stage like they played I want to say at like 10 p.m. And I had stayed at that stage since like 2 p.m. Didn't piss like once. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I peed before we got there and I was like, I'm not eating. I'm not drinking. I am standing here the rest of the day and I'm getting front row at Black Sabbath. And I did. And I had the time of my life and my neck was sore the next day because of like how aggressively I was just like head banging and like pounding my fists on like the gate that separates you from the stage. Uh, weren't, weren't you by yourself for that one as well? Um, yes, but not at the beginning of the show. So I was there with two other buddies. One dipped out right at the end of the band before black sabbath which was passion pit 
Um, he dipped out right after Passion Pit to go to the Black Keys stage. Fool. That was Nick Chagan, like somebody who we've, we've had on. Um, but then my other buddy, Jeff, he was like, yeah, I'm going to see Black Sabbath. Who knows how long they'll be, um, you know, playing live shows for because, you know, they're kind of older. Um, and he was like not a fan of like, you know, like how aggressively people were trying to get up there and stuff. He got bumped a few times. And so he dipped out and then was like trying to find Nick at Black Keys. Couldn't ended up at like whatever electronic music was playing at the electronic music stage and didn't really get to enjoy any band during that set. So uh, I was alone during it, but like, like, uh, I wasn't supposed uh, to be. Here's what Pump's telling me. That's the secret. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get our two more. We're halfway done. Um, yeah, I'm on number three here. I, I'm i going to go local this time. This is circa 2011. Something okay. Like and it was at the symposium. Oh, yeah. I played there, dude. You played Oh, yeah. That, that cathedral vibe in the back. Got it. It was a band called... Some of you have heard these guys before. They're called Cantankerous Dingoes. Cantankerous <laughs> hmm. Dingoes. They, I, I hear whispers that they're still playing. I think. Okay. But they've been banned from a lot of venues. And they they uh they are, <laughs> are like punk rock as a band, mildly punk rock genre wise. But they have this song, it was called Free Burrito Day. And like we're like in high school, you know, we're kids, 2011, and they uh they would have like their fans and their friends go out to Taco Bell like right as soon as they started their set, or maybe they would just have the tacos in the back of the car, but then when they started doing free Burritos free burritos. They like recorded that song. Like that song like was on the internet at some point. Free burrito day. And all their friends would go up with these just so many soft tacos from Taco Bell. <laughs> just like imagine like a, a lot of tacos from Taco Bell. And you got it. You see it. And so you, they throw them everywhere. They're whipping the bags. There's, you know, just all the ingredients are going everywhere. Like I imagine the staff is their mind is immediately made up. Yeah. They are not invited back. They they um at some point during throwing out the tacos, they brought a plasma screen TV on stage and they smashed it with a bass guitar. <laughs> then they finished up <laughs> like just, just destruction. Like it was insane. And I was like 17 years old and it was exactly what I needed. And I grabbed a taco that had fallen on the ground and like any other like 17 year old boy would, I pretend that it's my wiener. <laughs> And I'm shaking it around everywhere, and ingredients are going everywhere. And like, I think that's super funny. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> very crude, crude thing to do. And this girl slips in the in the no meter taco, and she like, <laughs> eats it face first into the monitors, and they had them stacked up, and they went like falling. I don't know if she hurt herself. People went to help her right away. I did not. I was like immediately very embarrassed that I did that. And I was like, oh my God, we gotta get out of here. I'm gonna go hang out in the back. And we got, I think I helped <laughs> a little bit oh my God. for my penance. But yeah, that's that goes in the Mount Rushmore. That was that was a rude tooth. Time right, right you, you guys have some underlining themes. Chris is food and drinks in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. Going solo to concert. I wanna leave a fucking mess. <laughs> Dessert, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh man. 
I wish I was like thinking of one while you guys were talking. <laughs> your covers or your choices right now. Um, I guess one that I that really really sticks out to me was at the Winchester. I'm gonna stick with local here. Nice. And it was the, in the front room of the Winchester, and it was Oregon Space Trail of Jazz. Oh no way! Yes, and Ooh. that's that's then for anyone in Cleveland, Oregon Space Trail of Doom is the name. They go under, and most stuff is very hard hitting. But they switch modes and go to jazz, and it was honestly my first time seeing them all together, and I didn't even know about them. But it was like, yeah, just come see this. I and mean, great name, number one. Oh yeah, <laughs> anything with Oregon Space Trail, like attract any millennial out there. Yeah, but. Uh, I just remember being like completely floored on like a Tuesday, just thinking like, I, this is in my backyard right now, like happening. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if uh, they're still together, but nonetheless, their music is one of my favorite in Cleveland. So I would encourage anyone to check them out or yeah. Space Trail of Doom. But yeah, the jazz was what just like. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. They're, I didn't know they were moonlighting as a jazz. Yeah, they would just do it sometimes, and they had like a little residency for a couple months at the Winchester. And um, yeah, I don't think I ever saw them as jazz again. I saw them as Doom like two or three times after. But nice. yeah, they're a great band. I really enjoyed their music. That's what's up. That's okay. What's up. Um, I so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with the the theme, and I am gonna go with a local show as well. Um. And yeah, this, and I'm also going to keep my theme of like, all right, this concert was a religious experience. So this show was at a venue called Frankie's Inner City in Toledo, which just recent, like it was closed for a while um, just because of like ownership issues and like tenant, landlord dispute, et cetera. Anyways, venues getting relaunched this summer. ICM is actually on the bill for the um, relaunch show. I digress. Um, the The band was called The Shame Game. And the front man was like this guy that like, you know, I, I went to high school with. His name is Kyle Tanzel. And like what made the show kind of like a religious experience is so... Kyle was like kind of like your typical outcast. Like if you could like imagine like Billy Joel Armstrong as like a middle schooler, high schooler without blonde hair, like that's what this kid was. Like he was always super into music, but like always wearing dark clothes and like kind of like hanging out with the outcasts and like kind of considered one himself, even though he's like the super cool, nice dude, like, wouldn't hurt a fly, but he's like that goth emo kid, whatever. And so like my friends and I, like at this time, we're starting to like really get into music. We've like started our own band and like, we're just like, well, you know what? Like we're kind of like in this community now, like let's go check out Kyle's band. And they fucking blew our minds. Like this kid that's like the same age as us who we've gone to school with for like, you know, how many years, it is coming out there and just like tearing this place apart, just shredding, like amazing singing, like super fast, like punk music. And yeah, we're like 15 and it just blew our minds and it made us realize, wow, like 
who gives a fuck what anyone thinks like that kid like gets made fun of by like assholes at school and he comes here and fucking rocks out and is the star of the show and has like this super cool venue packed with people there for his album like so yeah that one that one would would definitely be up there for me yeah love that the the eye-opening like oh whoa like this is i'm in the show yeah yeah that was eye-opening not like just from a musical perspective but from like a life perspective all right bring us home chris all right i'm gonna go with for this one this is gonna be one that i did perform at this is we're going to 2012 and this is Childish Gambino at the Woolstein Center in Cleveland State. And I mentioned wow. at this this project, Green Sunrise. Um, and it was like a hot a hip hop rock sort of thing. We did like actually put a band together for that. And the, the greatest accomplishment of that band, which only lasted for like maybe eight, eight to twelve months of time, is far greater than the greatest accomplishment of any other band I've ever been. <laughs> because they had this battle of the bands. To see who got to open up for Childish Gambino what? at Cleveland State. Wow. Yeah. It might have been 2013, actually, because I didn't go to Cleveland State anymore. And um, yeah, we won the Battle of the Bands. We took it home, baby. We, we took it home. And so we got to do it. And, you know, they, I mean, there's there's not too much of a story to that one. We, I mean, it wasn't like the whole Wolstein Center. It was like they sectioned it off, you know, they'll do that, like big yeah. arenas and kind of thing. Um, so it was just kind of like the end of it, and then people all up there and people all in the pit there. But that was sick, just like to play like in arena and to be there with Toby, who was going absolutely crazy. My family was there, my nana was there. Rest in peace to Nana, miss you, Nana. She was there. Yeah, she 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 was in a wheelchair, so getting her up there in the in the nosebleeds was like a, a whole ass task for my parents. <laughs> but there she was. I know she <laughs> there she was. Oh, and um, yeah. There something goofy did actually happen. Ryan was like super Toby's name is Ryan. Toby was super susceptible to like peer pressure at that time in his life. So um I, I saw an opportunity, a wicked, wicked opportunity, and I took it. And he also was like eating a lot of honey. He actually had a honey guy. His name was Ray, and him and his dad had a honey, <laughs> they had a bee farm, they had bees, and so Ryan would like buy. The honey from his honey field. And he, honey is essential for him. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. And he, I mean, he, he would sing incorrectly and like destroy his vocal cords. He's always chugging honey to compensate. So I think he actually had some squirt honey. I think Ray was out that month or something like that. And I grabbed it, uh-huh. went up and I grabbed an open microphone. And I, it was like a, like a thousand people or so with how much it was like sanctioned off in, in the center. And I was like, hey, guys, I bet if we all start yelling, chug it. Toby will drink this entire jar of honey before. <laughs> oh, there's no turning back now. Geeks out there saying chug it. Like I, I, I really immediately realized the error of my ways. I look at Ryan. I hit him like, I don't want to do this. He's like, I don't want to do this either, asshole. Like, <laughs> you don't want to do this. How could you do this to me? <laughs> And he did it, dude. He did it. And so the rest of the said, he's like, oh, he's really trying so hard. That must have been so difficult. He tried to throw up in the green room after, and I was patting his back. Oh, oh my God. God. Do you want some warm beer I brought in my backpack, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was crazy. We met Thomas Gambino. He wasn't, like, super nice. 
No, Donald. Yeah. But I mean, it, he was like doing like a meet and greet, so yeah, like, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be annoyed too if everyone was like, well, that sounded like a cementing part of your yours and Toby's relationship. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's out there. You that make it through the honey chug, you can make it through anything. That earns its spot on the road. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I love it. I I love the themes that we're gonna stick with because now you have me thinking of ones that I prefer. I did food again. What? Honey, you didn't do food. Yeah. Again. Wow. <laughs> I did. Food after this. Yeah. <laughs> food on the dance floor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ten times out of ten. I um. Okay, uh, this is going to be a random one. Um, so I had a band right out of college called Casual Shandy. And, I love that name. Yeah, no, thanks. We, um, we, have, we have a record. It's, there's some discrepancy out with uh, DistroKid because it was under Casual Shandy. And we started a new project called Tomo Alone. And then we were going to, and then Tomo Alone disbanded. And the album was actually under Casual Shandy. So we were like, okay, well, let's just like switch it back then. And it was like, this thing's already taken. Nonetheless, the music is out there right now under Tomo alone. But you... So what you're telling me is I can listen to Casual Shandy. You can listen to Casual Shandy right now. If I want to save that on my phone, yes. I can do that. It's okay. called, but, but it's under Tomo alone right now. I'm going to really try to uh, get a couple. There's eight songs. and T-O-M-O, Tomo alone. Tomo alone, yes. And it's called Pleasantly Distracted is the album. But sick. nonetheless, we played a show um, out in Willoughby at a place that no longer exists called Taco Local. Okay. And it must not have been around for a while because anyone from Willoughby that I asked, they have no fucking idea what I'm talking about, which makes me think that I actually even play that venue. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff, being experienced. This place yeah. wasn't like right there on the main road. Yeah, it was. was it? Yeah. And it was like the window was right behind you when you played. Yeah. Dude, I think I played there too. And no, no one ever knows what the hell I'm Taco talking Local? about. Oh, I didn't even know what it was called. Let's fucking go. But dude, yeah, so no, like there exactly were photos exactly. of my old band playing there. And I, I actually, I was recently in Willoughby and I was like, I think that's that little venue. And like, yeah. I, mean, I was with, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? That's why. Dude, yeah. the big windows with the booth on the side of yes. the plate against You've got it. You're not, you're, you're not imagining it's Bruce. Okay. Played there at Taco uh, Willoughby. That's Taco Willoughby local. But yeah, so it was a, or a thunderstorm, it was a snowstorm. I will never forget. And it was like all on like four West Siders in Cleveland. And it was the first show where we knew no one. Gotcha. Except my dad did show up in the back. Uh, so shout out to uh, Johnny Boy. But we, uh, but besides that, and I didn't even know he was coming. And it was just the first time where they put us in the corner and we played our first song, Sexuality. And <laughs> Baseline brings out Moffs. And nonetheless, we had like 50 people in front of us just get in after it with us. And it was like just an out-of-body experience uh, where, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, there's levels to the game, obviously, performing-wise. But when you can get people moving that aren't friends or family, it means a, a lot. And I'm, I'm saying it doesn't mean a lot. I love the support and everything. But it's just as raw and is like not expected and is true emotion. And I will just never forget playing in that corner and just being like, holy shit, this is insane. Yeah. And yeah, that's crazy. You play that too. Yeah, that, the local, man. That is that is a wild feeling though. And it's like the new, it's it's, it's strangers in front of you. It's like, yeah. Well, who am I? I have to, these people don't know. I have to show them who I am. Show them exactly. what we sound like. Like, yeah, that's, that's super exciting. That's a that's a rush right there. No, it was absolutely rushing. Yeah, one of the most memorable. And then I'll shout out Clep and I and uh, our buddy Josh Mounts and Connor Emser played a show at Happy Dog. I'm wearing the hat. Um, back in March, and uh, it was supposed to be when my album was out. We're still working on it, but nonetheless, played with them, the Buzz Baldwin boys, 
and Yuck Puddle. And yeah. it was just surreal to hear those songs for the first time with all the instruments involved. So I'll guess Taco Local and Happy Dog will be my tie for my Mount Rushmore. We'll have Two-Face right up there. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> bring us home, baby. All right. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with theme and go with, like, I guess, like, probably, like, the craziest show that I, I've played in. Um in like you know whatever way that is um so yeah i i played in a band in high school i guess it's kind of piggybacks off the last one i put on my mount rushmore um we were called eyes on the city and we probably played together for like two two and a half years um but towards the end of our time um me and this bass player in another band and a guitar player in another band like all all of our bands had like kind of been making their rounds you know in the toledo circuit and we were like what if we just got like a bunch of these like really good bands that like we all play with all the time like threw together like this like you know whole day of music and like get one of like the big venues in toledo to host like to host it and we did there's this venue called the centennial terrace where which like some really big acts have played there like beach boys alice cooper ted nugent sticks is there later this summer um and we we got them to let us like play this thing for like the whole day and because we were high school kids they didn't even charge us for it. They're like, yep, nobody's on the schedule. Like Saturday, you guys put whatever you can together. We'll keep the gate and like you guys just do your thing. Bro, that's so yeah. sick. That's what, that's what it's about, man. They were like, man, one day these kids are going to be talking about this on a podcast. They remember this for the rest of their lives. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, we, we were the third to last band to play. And like, you know, because it's like that sort of format, you don't get to play your full set so like we narrowed it down like all right here are the five songs we think are gonna get people moving and it it did like it was super cool we got like a little mosh pit or like group of people dancing um people were like posting about it on the event page they're like i really like that second song eyes on the city played and like you know, like after the show, like we're replying to them. We're like, it's called what you snuck out to hear. You can find it on YouTube at blah, 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 blah. And so it was like, yeah, I guess like the most receptive audience we had at any of our shows. And it was like super cool because like I personally was like one of the event planners for it. And it was just like, I, I guess I was, I, I didn't appreciate like kind of how crazy it was that we like, were able to secure this venue because you know i i was not even 18 so i i'm just like kind of too dumb to like really know like yeah like you you just secured this venue that like sticks is playing at in a few months and you're gonna get to play on it <laughs> beautiful man love that yeah that's cool i've yeah i've never heard that story come up that is very cool I honestly kind of forget about it because it was so long ago. Well, but, you're, 
It was crazy. All your concert planning days are still ahead of you as they continue with the Soiree of the Stallions, the charity event we had at the Beachland Ballroom. Yeah, Spruce was telling me about it. I really wish I I had made it out. I, I wish that I had uh, been there. I'm definitely going to be at the next I one. I was going to say, awesome. say, we'll let you know. Uh, at the Beachland? Well, yeah, yeah, we're talking about the Beachland now. We're going to think about doing it in the first couple months of 2024. And again, uh, very all charity focused and uh, really trying to focus on just local bands and I don't know, again, ways to pump up the community. So yeah, check out or look out for that. We're definitely going to be marketing a lot more for it and getting a lot more people involved. And uh, yeah, this is the official announcement. Yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about, I don't know, giving away some free studio time or something like that. 100%. Yeah, no. Like I said, man, if there's anything that we can do to team up with what you guys have got going on, what we got going on, we'd love to. Like, seriously, awesome talking yeah, to you guys. No, like, seriously. No, you're yeah. just with your time. And uh, again, this is an aspect of music we really haven't dove into too much. And uh, thanks for letting us in your home. This is very cool. One of the first ones we've done outside of our studios. So, yeah, we very much appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Chris, uh, looking forward to like eventually getting in the room with you and meeting you in person. Yeah, back at you, brother. Do you make it out to Cleveland pretty often? You you live in Toledo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd say like a good handful of times. Like, yeah, like I'll I come down there for yeah, like I guess yeah, random things. Mostly <laughs> mostly to hang out with Spruce. Yeah, yeah. Probably find his way here. Uh, but hell yeah. Well, all right. Well, uh, I'll warn you, we do some nays at the end of our podcast, but let's do a little bit of a sign out right now. So we do like Winnie's as well. Oh, yeah. Do anything you want. But right now, I'm Spruce. I'm Chris. I'm Clip. And this has been another episode of Vinyl Stallion. <laughs> <laughs>